The Daily Tap is live for Wednesday. We are talking about the Bucks' first win. We are talking about Greg Jennings getting into the Packer Hall of Fame and why he should not get booed. Lastly, we'll talk about why Cody Bellinger's October is everything we wanted from Christian Yelich and we did not get. So good show today. Rate, review, subscribe, follow us on any social media platform you'd like. Tabbing the Keg on Twitter, Tabbing the Keg Sports on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. We are doing post-game spaces um, on Twitter. So if you are on Twitter, you can follow or just get to the account after the game. And we're talking about the Bucks. Um, you guys can hang out. Uh, we will take questions. We will just ha- kind of have a conversation. Like it won't just be led. It was just Mitch and I and Murph yesterday. So a light crowd. Um, but I think for Thursday, we should get a better crowd. Thursday, a couple more people are drinking. A couple more people feel loose. Can get in that space. Have a few beers. Um, we'll talk probably a little bit about the Thursday night football game as well. Um, because that'll be going on right as we're, we're ending Bucks Heat. So we'll talk about all that. So that will have a space, and then we'll also have a space for the Packer-Washington football team game on Sunday. So those will be the next couple spaces uh, for you guys to look forward to. So yeah, we're running those out pretty regularly. Um, not necessarily every every Bucks game. Um, we'll, the Bucks games that kind of matter, the Bucks games that have a little more oomph to them, we will do, I think, as we get closer and closer to the playoffs and we're away from the Packers after they probably win the Super Bowl, hopefully, um, that we're able to basically kind of do that more often. Um, just You got to just pick your spots, I think, is what I, what I learned yesterday. Um, even though it was a big game, I think there were a lot of people that were like, oh, cool, the ring ceremony happened, and then I'm not going to really watch much of the game, which fine. That that's okay. That that's totally all right. I'm not gonna be mad at anybody who did that. Um, it's Tuesday night. We got a lot of shit going on. It's not just it's not just sports, sports, sports. Um, which I think I would love it to be, but uh, that's life gets in the way many a times. Let's talk about that Bucks game though. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks win 127 to 104. It was a very impressive victory for the Milwaukee Bucks. I I don't think this was expected, even though. The Bucks, you know, had the emotion of ring night, but that can be weird, right? It, it's not always a guarantee that you're going to win on ring night. Sometimes the team that you're playing is motivated to sort of embarrass you on ring night. I thought the Nets would come out with quite the punch. I mean, I remember I was apprehensive about playing them on ring night because I thought that the Nets would just sort of deliver their own sort of message to say, all right. Like, we're fully back, we're fully healthy, we're going to be the kings of the East. And then they didn't have Kyrie because of the vaccine issues, so they were like the team we saw in, was that June, July? I can't even remember when, June. Yeah, the team we saw in June with Harden and Durant. Now, granted, Harden was healthy, um, but it was Harden and Durant and a bunch of role guys. And while Patty Mills did play awesome, and that's something I think Brooklyn can take away from this one and be happy about, that was it. Like, Nick Claxton was a nice addition, but he's not big enough. Like, he he's kind of a beanpole, and the Bucks are able to navigate around Nick Claxton. 
Marcus Aldridge, Paul Millsap are basically at the retirement home. They're way too old to be playing fucking basketball or meaningful basketball. I mean, they could play with, you know, I don't know, the Wizards or the Kings or the Spurs even, uh, ironically enough, with, with Marcus Aldridge. I understand that LaMarcus is coming back from a heart problem and good for him. Like, that's great. But unfortunately, LaMarcus shouldn't be out there. Him and Millsap look more like big three players. Same goes for James Johnson. So that's a real problem for Brooklyn, right? Because they brought all these guys in to kind of throw at Giannis. They wanted to throw as many guys at Giannis as possible. And Giannis is better than all of them. And it's not even fucking close. It's uh, Giannis just, it looked like a man among boys. And we, I mean, we've seen that. I mean, how many times, right? But with the Brooklyn defense, they had no answer. And Giannis had 31 points. He had 14 rebounds. He had seven assists. It was in 30 minutes. Um, it's clear that Budenholzer is managing the minutes of Antetokounmpo. Um, it's clear that Bud is not necessarily wanting Giannis to be out there for 35, 40 minutes per game. Because it's. I think Giannis is not entirely ready. He said that himself. He said he wasn't in shape for the season. So I... I do think you're going to have these limited games from Giannis. It won't be an issue in a game where you blow out a team like Brooklyn, but I do think in a closer game, there might be some consternation of why isn't Giannis out there? Why isn't Giannis playing more? Um, I don't necessarily think that'll be a problem come Christmas, maybe. But I think in the first couple months, you're just going to see the Bucks kind of ease their way into this season with the minutes, not necessarily their passion. Like, they were ready to just deliver that punch to Brooklyn. I mean, it was the first quarter. They were out and running, and they really never looked back after that. So I, I do think that the Giannis minutes will be fine. I, I just think it's it's early. And some of the rotations were wild by Budenholzer uh, speaking to that. But honestly, I don't have a problem with it. I, I think... It's the first few weeks, few first few games of the season. I think every team should be experimenting with rotations, right? What rotations work? What, what rotations do not work? What's the efficiency offensively on this one? What's the defensive efficiency on this one? I think it's really important to do this for the first 10 games of the season. I don't have any problem with that. And if you do, I don't know what to tell you. I... I I don't think there are a lot of like angry Bucks fans right now. I think Bucks fans are like someone who's just had sex for the first time in two years. Like that's how I feel like the Bucks are. Like I feel like the Bucks are someone who's just having consistent sex for the first time ever, and they are just in this state of euphoria. They are not necessarily ever leaving this euphoria, and that they're okay with it for at least a few weeks, especially if they win. If the Bucks keep winning, like. Bucks fans are gonna everything is gonna be water off a duck's back. Like they are not going to care about anything. Like oh, these rotations are weird. Ah, whatever. It's okay. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Oh, uh, Giannis only played twenty six minutes in this one. That's weird, but whatever. Like I, I think if they keep winning, no one's gonna care. And that's if they are like ten and ten, or they're five and five, or something like that. I'll be like, oh, what's wrong with the Bucks? Then yeah, maybe a little bit. But even then, I think people will be like, well, it's, you know, they're a little hungover. They'll be, they'll figure it out. I think there is a confidence with this team, similarly to what we have with the Packers. Now, 
we see pinheads all the time freak out, right? If the Packers struggle and the Packers get off to slow starts and they're like, oh my God, like sky is falling. We saw it all when the Packers would go one and two or two and two. That, I mean, that's where the famous R-E-L-A-X thing from Rodgers came from is was just a slow start. But at the same time, there is that confidence of the Packers will figure it out. And I think the idea, and that comes, I think, with championships. That comes with having success, having long-term success of they're going to figure it out. I think the Bucks have that. I don't know if the Brewers have that. I think the Bucks and Packers both have that now, where even if things go bad, it's like, oh, they'll be all right. But we're not talking about bad because the Bucks blew out the Brooklyn Nets. And that's that's a good thing. They win by 23. That's excellent. A great, like I said, a great game from Giannis. Other stuff from this Bucks nets game, the bench was stellar. Uh, Pat Connaughton had 20 points. Jordan Nora had 15 leading the way. 35 points from the Bucks bench um, from those two guys. And a f- they had a little more from bench points. And I don't have the exact number. I apologize. But those two guys were fantastic in this one. Pat Connaughton was a force. Um, he came out firing right away. He made four threes. He did shoot nine of them, which is a lot, I think, for Pat Connaughton. But still, like Pat Pat had the ability there to, to basically just all systems go. All systems go for Pat. And that's okay. That's perfectly fine that Pat Connaughton is launching and firing and having that confidence. Pat had the world tour. He was everywhere, as we talked about in the preview. Uh, we may have mentioned he could have got his dick sucked at, at, in the club if he wanted to, which actually got a lot of feedback. I got a lot of stories from that. Didn't know that my friends had stories like that. Not that they were, well, one was involved. The, the other one was he had he saw it while he was working. So crazy that this actually happens. Like I, that was a joke. But anyways, Pat played really well. Uh, 20 points. Uh, definitely a guy who can come off the bench and give you that. Maybe there's a little more confidence for Connaughton after what he did in the finals and sort of that that confidence has grown. And if Pat becomes a regular 10 to 20 point guy, like that makes the Bucks even scarier. And same goes with Jordan Nora. Jordan Nora is a bucket. I think we've talked about it. The Jordan Nora hype train was on fire. Like it was chugging along. And sometimes when those hype trains happen in preseason, they come to a crashing halt in the regular season. We see this all the time in spring training, right? I can remember Corbin Burns, um, the year that everything went off the rails for Corbin, he was awesome in that spring training. And everybody's like, oh my God, here we go. Like Corbin Burns, is gonna be the next great thing. And then he sucked. No one knew what happened. It didn't make any sort of sense. And like that can't happen after like a really strong preseason or a really strong summer league. But it didn't happen with Jordan Nora. Jordan Nora looked like he belonged. Jordan Nora played with starters. Jordan Nora did not necessarily feel out of place at all. Like I would go as far now of Holiday with the heel contusion, which we'll talk about here right after. But could Nora be on the starting rotation? Like, is there a case to be made that Pat should stay on the bench? And Nora should be in the starting rotation. And you move Chris Middleton to the point guard position, essentially. And you have Nora out there or Pat Connaughton. I think they'll they'll probably go with Pat. But I could make a reasonable case that Jordan Nora has a, a spot on that, that starting rotation. Because he, 
he really be- he belongs. Like he just does. Like defensively, he's looking a lot better. He had a block against Durant, um, and he knows what he needs to do offensively. And this is the type of stuff that makes you not only a one-time champion. This makes you a multi-year champion because these kind of guys can keep playing and keep developing. And the Bucks have done a great job with development and they continue with Nora. And it makes you excited about guys like Mamu, uh, the Greek guy who I, I got to work on his pronunciation um, and other dudes who have come now to the Bucks system and can they make them into a thing. So that this is a really encouraging start. I Even Thanasis is another guy with growth. Like Thanasis, when he started, it was like, oh cool, it's Giannis' brother. But now I think it's kind of grown into, yeah, the guy is a bully bench player. He's a guy who doesn't necessarily play a lot, but when he's out there, I don't think anyone is really that nervous about, about Thanasis being there. We don't want him in like key moments, but end of first quarter, end of second quarter, it's not going to completely wreck everything. As for Grayson Allen, first game is a buck, so obviously, again, not trying to overreact after one game, but Grayson Allen, just better than Dante. Like, simply put, like, tough fucking 12 months for Dante DiVincenzo. He gets hurt in the postseason. He doesn't get to relish in the glory of a postseason run. Then... Grayson Allen comes, gets an extension, takes his starting spot, and I don't think Grayson's going to give it up once Dante's back in January. Like, Dante is back to being a bench player, and we'll see if Dante gets moved in a deal. Definitely has a tradable contract. We'll see if Dante ends up coming back to the Bucks on a similar deal that Grayson Allen got two years, $10 million. That, or $20 million. That was one thing we missed um, when we did the preview. That happened on Monday, and we had obviously taped on Saturday. But yeah, Grayson Allen, two years, $20 million, Staying with the Bucks, just a very savvy move by John Horst to keep Grayson Allen here. I think that's going to look amazing by the end of the season. I think Grayson Allen's going to have an awesome year, and the Bucks are going to look at that contract and be like, holy shit, we got an absolute steal. Um, but yeah, Grayson hit a big shot in the fourth quarter that sort of put the game away. That was sort of the last dagger needed and just a big, big time shot. Did not look like the moment was too big for him. Looked like he belonged and that's really all you're asking for. So I think Memphis fans are going to really regret the Grayson Allen stuff as the year goes on because he looks like an integral part of the Bucks starting rotation. As for Drew Holiday going down with an injury, he goes down with a heel contusion. Um, Who knows what that means, right? Is it a full bruise? Is his heel basically fucked that he can't put on a shoe? What, What are we looking at from that perspective? I doubt he'll play against Miami. I would imagine the Bucks take it very cautious. I could see it being a week long injury at least, if not a little bit longer. So if that were the case, he'd miss the San Antonio game, he missed the Indiana game, and maybe he's back for that Wednesday game against, I think that's Minnesota that they're playing on the 27th. So maybe that's where you get Holiday coming back. But I, I don't know if you're going to get like Drew in the mix for the next couple of weeks. Milwaukee will figure it out. They're, they're going to be okay. They have George Hill. George Hill can start if they want to. I think George Hill was probably the only guy who didn't look good um, yesterday. He looked a little bit washed. Now, George is an old player. I think it'll take him time to acclimate, get back into the system. So I'm not going to immediately be like, George Hill is the next DJ Augustine, none of that. 
Uh, but whether George Hill starts or they go with that kind of larger lineup with Chris Middleton running point and having Grayson Allen and then either Connaughton or Nora, Giannis and, and Lopez. We'll see what the Bucks decide to do. I would imagine it will be sort of team dependent, right? Like tomorrow you play the Heat and you have Ky- uh, Kyle Lowry now, who's now in Miami. And I think a guy like George Hill can deal with Kyle Lowry. Like they're both a couple old guys. Like I think that'd be fine. So I think you'll have George Hill in the starting lineup. Um, and I won't. I would not imagine Holiday would be with the team. I think they'll just be like rest up, rest your foot, and get ready for either San Antonio if it's not that bad, or get ready for next week. Um, and we'll just reevaluate from there. So I'm not not ready to be like okay, uh, Holiday back in the lineup on. Thursday and I'm also not going to freak out about it because it's a it's just a heel bruise like that's that's fine as long as it's not like he ripped his plantar uh, fascia which then would be an issue then then that would be a real problem and I know sometimes when they say oh it's just a bruise or it's a sprained knee I think that was what happened with Jabari Parker back in the day and Chris Middleton and it, or no it was Jabari they're like oh Jabari sprained his knee and we're like, okay, it's just a sprained knee. And then it's like next day, it's like, actually, Jabari tore his ACL. So let's just hope that's not the case with the holiday, that, that it's not a more serious injury. A couple other thoughts, just really quickly on Brooklyn. Uh, they never felt like they could win this one. Even when Brooklyn kind of came back, Brooklyn made it like a six-point game at one point. It never felt like Brooklyn w- had that one run where the Bucks couldn't stop it. Uh, every time Brooklyn sort of punched back and... Got it close. The Bucks hit a three. The Bucks got a turnover. The Bucks got an offensive rebound for another opportunity. And they just kept the Nets at bay the entire game. That had that have to worry you a little bit if you're Brooklyn. It also is a clear indication they need Kyrie. Like they need to figure out the Kyrie stuff. They need to figure out how Kyrie can get on the floor. Because right now, they do not have the guys inside to play with Giannis. And so what could you do to change that up? Adding a guy like Kyrie, that will just immediately make more offense, make more things happen, make things dip more difficult on opposing defenders. They need Kyrie Irving to be there. And I don't know if that's going to happen. And if I were Brooklyn right now, what I would be looking at, what I'd be talking to is I'd be talking to teams in, in states that do not have vaccine mandates. And I would say, what what kind of big guys do you have to throw that we could basically throw at Giannis, basically create a little bit of a bigger team, kind of have an alley-oop partner for James Harden. I think we saw Nick Claxton was supposed to be the Clint Capella to James Harden, and he just was not ready for that moment. But could we get a guy that would basically catch alley-oops from James Harden all the time, but also be an awesome defender against Giannis and use Kyrie as a trade chip because they are not going to beat the Bucs with just James Harden and Kevin Durant. I think with Kyrie, it adds an element and there's a potential there, but with those two guys, no way. And the Ben Simmons-Kyrie trade is a really interesting one. It, it really is. I'm sorry. It Ben Simmons would be, and I know they said it's off the table, it's nothing, there's no possibility, but Ben Simmons, who's, as I said on the Twitter space yesterday, motherfucked the entire city of Philadelphia, he could be a guy that is potentially, you know, the, the type of player that you could really throw at Milwaukee and create problems. Now, Ben has shrunk in every big moment of his career, 
But maybe with a guy like Harden and a guy like, well, not Harden because Harden's done that too. A guy like Durant, let's just use Durant. Durant's a better example. A guy like Durant to maybe build him up and maybe that would that would help. But they they need something else. It's crazy to say that because it's I mean it's Kai, it's James Harden and Kevin Durant. It should be enough, but it, it just isn't. So great win for the Bucks. We'll talk about Bucks Heat on Friday show when we do the betting preview, probably at the tail end unless something extreme happens in that game. Moving on to the Green Bay Packers. We're not going to talk about Packers and the football team. We'll talk a little bit about it tomorrow. Uh, we have Greg Jennings make, getting into the Packer Hall of Fame. Uh, that is quite the headline because Greg Jennings had a great career for the Packers. Just don't get me wrong. Second round pick out of Western Michigan. He was an integral part to the end of the Favre era and then the transition to the start of the Aaron Rodgers era. Greg Jennings had an awesome game in the Super Bowl. He had a touchdown catch. He was really good in the Packers Super Bowl win against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So now Greg Jennings is getting honored by the Packer Hall of Fame. This was something that I thought would take forever. I thought with Jennings' comments about Aaron Rodgers throughout the years, I thought it would be multiple years before we saw Greg Jennings in the Packer Hall of Fame because I thought the bridge was burnt. Now the Packers, I don't even really understand how they select guys, what they do, um, but they decided to go with Greg Jennings this following year. Now imagine Aaron Rodgers will be asked about it um, in his Wednesday press conference and say, what do you think about it? And everything like that. I do remember that Greg Jennings and him kind of smoothed it out because Greg Jennings was working for Fox, if you remember, and he covered a couple of the Packer games, which was weird. I remember that being a story back in 2018. It was at the very end of the McCarthy era. And Rodgers and Jennings, you know, did the pregame stuff and kind of talked, kind of talked through it. And you haven't really seen Greg Jennings continually out in the media. I don't know if Greg Jennings is even in media anymore. Um, I don't think it worked out for Greg as well as it has for other people. Um, let me take a look at his Twitter account to see if Greg is still doing the the TV thing. Because I, I haven't heard of Greg Jennings' name in a long, long time. So maybe he's just hanging out. I think he lives in Minneapolis. Just hanging out in Minneapolis and not doing anything. Yeah, he's he, he isn't doing any sort of media. He has a... Uh, Bible verse in his bio and then says for business contacts, contact this. But yeah, there there's nothing there's nothing really going on. And so Greg Jennings is talking about that. He does like a motivation Monday. So it seems like Greg Jennings is just sort of, you know, being a guy. Like he's just he's just a retired dude now. And I think we should accept that, right? And you know, the guy is obviously very, I don't know if he was always into uh, the religion and things like that, but as a man of Christ, a man of God, you know, you, you talk about forgiveness and you talk about, you know, forgiving people all the time. That's literally littered through the Bible. And so I do think that if you have any sort of problem with Greg Jennings, kind of fuck off all right like i know that's probably bad that i i swear right after talking about god but seriously like everyone's entitled to their opinion greg james was trying to get popular all right he was trying to become a skip bayless he was trying to become in that world and he used aaron Rodgers' name for clout was it a mistake probably but you know just let it go 
It's fine. He's not like Jermichael Finley continuing to run his mouth. Jermichael Finley is a totally different story, right? Where Jermichael Finley can't shut the fuck up. Jermichael Finley always seems to have an opinion on Aaron Rodgers, even though no one asks Jermichael Finley for it. And Jermichael Finley has not got anything from it. I love Jermichael Finley as a player. I really did. I was a J-Mike stan, but the J-Mike post-retirement is a fucking loser. He just is, all right? And this is not, that's not what Greg Jennings is. Greg Jennings tried out the hot take world. It didn't work for him. He ended up losing his job with Fox, obviously. And now he's just a guy. So we need to accept that. I think it's okay. I hope that Packer, Packer fans are usually pretty forgiving. And I hope that everybody does it. And I also hope that Rodgers, if asked today, says something similar. Um, and really does. Because it would be a direct contradiction to what Aaron Rodgers has talked about throughout the year about being zen and, and accepting and forgiving and all this other bullshit. And if he goes around and trashes Greg Jennings, then it's not really what Aaron Rodgers is talking about. And I'd have a problem with it, honestly. All right, let's finish up the show with baseball. You had the Dodgers come back from the Braves, a six to five win. The Dodgers take game number three and the Dodgers are back it seems almost like they're in pole position. The Braves had the Dodgers right on the ropes. It was 5-2. to two. Seemed like the game was heading in the Braves' favor. Uh, Dodgers couldn't get anything going offensively. Cody Ballinger steps up to the plate and ties up the game. Then Mookie Betts gives them the lead, and it was 6-5 Dodgers, and they win the game in with an awesome eighth inning. And it seems like the series has flipped. It seemed very Atlanta, right? We've seen Atlanta have a lot of heartbreak. We talked about it in the heartbreak index pod that we did before the Bucks and Hawks series. Atlanta has had a lot of heartbreak, and this does feel a little bit like the start, right? Atlanta had chances for the knockout punch. They couldn't do it. The Dodgers are like Michael Myers, man. You have to kill them. You have to put them in the dirt. You have to set the house on fire. I think that's how the new movie starts. You have to set the house on fire to make sure that the Dodgers are dead. Because if you don't, the Dodgers are going to kick your ass. And the Dodgers did just that. And they were able to put up four runs in the eighth inning. Really good stuff from LA. And Cody Bellinger again. Cody Bellinger has had a rough, rough, regular season, but he's had a stellar postseason. No one gives a fuck about Cody Ballinger's regular season with what he's doing in the postseason. And I just wish that could have been Christian Yelich. And everything Cody Ballinger is doing this postseason is basically what we had with what we should have got with Christian Yelich. And it just bums you out even more. Now no word on if Yelich was hurt or if something else is going on in Yelich's life. There is nothing Uh, that we know of at this point. But Cody Ballinger basically flipped the switch. And that's what MVPs do. Even though he had a rough year, even though he had a year where people really thought Cody Ballinger had fallen off or that he was was in this year-long slump, he figured it out in October. That's what clutch players do. That's what MVP-like players do. Christian Yelich never got off the mat. And that just sucks. Every time Cody Bellinger has a big moment, and I thought this in game five of the AL or the NLDS against the Giants, like I get so depressed. I get so depressed watching Cody Bellinger do well. 
And it's not because like I wish Cody Ballinger was a brewer. No, it's that I wish Christian Yelich could emulate that. Like I wish Christian Yelich could come through and have just as big of an impact as Bellinger is having in this postseason. And it just maybe speaks to how far away we are with Christian Yelich. Maybe this isn't just something that is fixable. Maybe it is something that we have to, you know, really reset our expectations with Christian Yelich. I think it's a major talking point to start the year, as long as the caveat that he's not hurt, right? That the Brewers don't unveil something, you know, oh, Christian Yelich is having back surgery and he's, you know, getting a fusion surgery done. He should be back for the start of the season. If they say something like that, which, first of all, a fusion injury would be really bad. But if they did say that, then it's like, okay, all right, now it's a little different. But if they don't say anything and we don't know any sort of thing and it's just normal Christian knowledge, we have to reset our expectations. Management does too. David Stearns, Matt Arnold, Craig Council all need to get in a room and be like, all right, where does Christian Yelich fit on this roster? Does he fit as a leadoff hitter? Does he fit as a five hitter? Does he fit as a six hitter? Like right now, Christian Yelich is not a three hitter. He just isn't, all right? So maybe you flip him in Adonis. I don't know. Lefty, lefty start. Maybe that's tough. It's so fucking early to be talking about this, guys. I, I know. I understand this. But you have to you have to get in my mind a little bit here and know like every time Cody Ballinger does something, it's like, well, where was that for Yelich? Where, why? Why hasn't Yelich done that? And so I credit Cody Bellinger, right, to kind of block out the haters and block out the noise and just deliver when he needs to. And maybe that's part of the problem too, right? Maybe it's just Yelich heard so much and had so many voices in his head that he wasn't able to do it. I do think there is a Christian Yelich redemption arc. Like, I don't think that this is the end of Yelich's time. I do think that we may need to reset expectations just because you see a guy like Ballinger do this and Yelich has never been able to kind of match that. And that that is a bummer. So hopefully it gets better. Uh, hopefully that Yelich can, you know, have that bounce back year in 2022. And we'll see about Dodgers Braves. It's an interesting series now. 2-1. I feel like all the pressure is on Atlanta um, in this game four. Even though they, even if they do lose um, tonight, they have a guaranteed game six back in Atlanta. So there, there is a element of house money, but you need to work on keeping the Dodgers down. Like you need to keep, let the Dodgers not carry the momentum of last night into tonight. Same kind of goes for the Red Sox, right? Like they, this series is now 2-2, pivotal game five. Um, it sucks that that game's at four o'clock. I have no idea why baseball, I think maybe it was influenced by the Lakers. Like I, I have no idea why the Red Sox Astros wasn't the four o'clock game today or yesterday. And then Dodgers, Dodgers Braves at seven, maybe because of the Lakers. I don't know, man. That sucks because really we should get that game at night. Like that should be our night game. So that's going to be afternoon, late afternoon, four o'clock. So pivotal game five between the Dodgers and, or I'm sorry, the Red Sox and the Astros. We'll see what happens in that one. Um, that will be very interesting. The Laz Diaz umpiring fiasco um, was just an abomination. The league should be embarrassed. Um, that should not happen. I know if I were a Brewer fan, 
and Laz Diaz did that uh, and we lost, I think I'd be catatonic. Like I, I, that part of it, I think from a fan perspective, it's like, how do you get off the mat? I think the players can use it as motivation, can use it as they don't want us here, they hate us because they ain't us sort of shit. They can use all of that and, and bundle it. But yeah, you're going to go back to Houston regardless. So even if the Red Sox win tonight, um, we are still going to go back to Houston for a game six on Friday night. So we'll see. That should be a fun game six, though, for sure. All right, guys, that does it for us. We'll be back tomorrow. Like I said, we'll talk a little bit about the Packer-Washington football matchup. Um, We'll also chat about anything else that comes through on the wire. All right, take care of yourself. Have a good one. Bye.